There it is. Welcome back, everybody. My name is CJ Reynolds, and I run this here YouTube channel. Well, I partially, I, I cooperatively run this here YouTube channel uh, with the Not-So-Secret Wife. And what we're trying to do is show up on Sundays, which is most often the scariest day of the week. And so this is, uh, this is what we're this is where we're at. And so before, can I say something before we take a question? Real sure. Quick? It's your show. Um, I'm going to say two things. Um, yeah. So... <laughs> One is, man, I heard something today that I think teachers really, really need to hear. And that is, um, it was this analogy or metaphor that teachers can, teachers are like gardeners, right? We can show up, we can till the soil, we can plant the seeds, but you cannot make it rain. And I think too often teachers uh, think they can control circumstances. They think they can control the entire situation and they see other people doing it. It's raining in their classroom. I got to make it rain in my classroom and we cannot make it rain. We can show up. We can do the best work that we possibly can try to do. Um, prepare the lesson, pre prepare the classroom, um, make it super relevant, make it super fun, but we cannot make it rain. And so I think of education often as giving a gift to someone. When I give you a gift, I don't care what you do with it next. I don't care if you take the gift receipt and take it back. I don't care if you put it in a closet or in the attic or if you re-gift it to someone else. My part of this stopped when the giving of the gift was done. And so I just think that that's something to, to be mindful of this week. And we can maybe talk more about that today. But uh, I want to turn it over to you. So look, this is all about what do you got? But also, what do you got and like what are you given so it's what do you got that's a maybe an issue a problem a struggle an anxiety share that in the comment section but look if you have an answer for someone else hit them up like there's i've learned that there are many people in here that are connecting outside of this whether they're it's hey why don't you shoot me an email hey why don't you you know like shoot me a facebook message or whatever uh folks are connecting so let this be somewhere where you are connecting Can you, look i have this Teaching is a communal activity, right? Um, that is my coffee cup from this morning, and I will not be drinking out of it. So um, <laughs> that's that's the situation. What do we got, wife? All right. Mallory is up first asking, my first year in the classroom as a new mom of a six-month-old baby. Uh, I have a very challenging and demanding group of students this year. I feel like I spend so much of care and energy on them during the day that I have uh, sloppy leftovers to bring home to my own children. How do I navigate the guilt and frustrations of that as a new parent? That's a great question. This is a great question. I feel like you should have an answer for this too, but I would say one, I think it's a gift, Mallory, that our children do not have long-term memory at this point in their lives. And so, um, and I don't, I'm, I'm saying that half jokingly, right? Uh, that, um, I think we start to begin to learn how to, this is why I want you to say something to this too, because I'm okay. going to go for, at it very analytically and like, here's how you build the system. And I know you're going to have something mm. different to say to that. So, uh, cause that's how we do, but I think it's building certain systems into your life and having a newborn baby, especially at six months old, that's very difficult to find the rhythm right? It's like, is nap time the same every day? Do you nap for the same time every day? Did you eat? Are you not eating? Are you sick? How is this impacting my life? Did you get croup? Did you get an ear infection? Like who gets up in the middle of the night when the baby cries? Like these are, and, and if you're still breastfeeding, then that means that you are the only one that can get up in the middle of the night. Right. And unless you have like that thing from meet the Falkers, um, that Robert De Niro <laughs> used, but like, the it's it's sort of like what is the rhythm going to be the best that you can so even though we have system like i love systems and i love optimizing systems this is, goes back to what i was talking about before there's certain things we cannot control and so i think it's giving yourself grace knowing that your child doesn't have long-term memory right now and also knowing that like i i think for uh, look when you have to um that kind of like the the leftovers, um, our kids don't know the difference. When I look back, like to be honest, Mallory, let me let me say this. This just popped in my head. 
When I look back at pictures from when my kids were little, they didn't know when I was depressed. They didn't know when I was sad. I can look at a picture and go, man, this is a month after this horrible situation. They don't know how broke I am. They don't know how like that we've been eating rice and ramen for like, this is basically our full meals all the time. They just don't remember. Um, so you show up and I put on the happy face and I act like I'm so happy to see you, even though all I want to do is just go like die on the couch. Yeah, but wait, um, you're not, not, you're still happy to see them, right? Just because you're exhausted and like, you are like, feel like you're like, sloppy but I want to give the leftovers the whole show, right? Yeah. The whole thing. And it is tricky because when you go in the school, you, it, it's almost like, they get the first of they you, get, right? Yes, the yes. freshness. It's like of your you. first period yeah, of the I day gets it. the better version than the eighth period. And then your kids get in your ninth period. Right. You know I mean? <laughs> um, I, I just want to say, I think that, oh, how do you navigate the guilt and frustration of that as a new parent? I think that, man, being a new parent, you learn that there's a lot of guilt and frustration that you're going to have to navigate on this journey. It's not just now as a new parent, it's, it comes up time and time again. As soon as you got and bad news, right? I know, it's like, right? Hey, let me make this easier for you. It doesn't, it's always, it's always difficult, right? There is, it's always a new balance, a new thing. As soon as you get them down for a nap schedule, teething happens. As soon as teething is over, we're ditching naps anymore. It's like always a revolving door of something new and it's something that you have to deal with. And I think that that's forever in parenthood. So Although that might sound daunting, I do want to say, I think you, you get used to it. We, we start learning how to balance all of that. <clears throat> Excuse me. And I think that you'll, you'll figure that you, you, I remember you coming home and being so exhausted and I needing a break so, so bad that I would just ditch the kids to CJ and I would run upstairs, even if I could have like 10 minutes of 15 minutes of quiet to myself. Um, Cause I've had the kids home all day, but I remember you coming home and being Equally, equally exhausted. But one of the things that we, we, I let you have a transition period, right? I recognize that when, when you came home from school, you had to have a transition period. And whether that was you in the bathroom for like 20, 30 minutes, or like you're also just getting some, but it's it's the only space that you got real or rap. Well, look, when we're parents, you all know the bathroom is probably some of the only space. There's a lot of TikToks where they're like, why are you in the bathroom for so long? And it's just like, I wasn't even going to the bathroom. No, I'm sitting there eating the a snack when no one's bothering me. And I'm eating a snack because nobody's going to ask me for a bite, right? Yeah. Like the, sometimes it's that, right? I just think like if you can set up some sort of transition for yourself to give yourself a second wind, whether that's even a 20 minute nap, if you come home or a 15 minute what, power nap, that could like, be, and a cup that of coffee. nap could happen. Just don't even go into your house yet, right? Like if the babysitter's there, if your baby's at daycare, to build it in. Ten build it minute in. nap in your car. I would do this all the time. Remember, I started. I forget. I read that somewhere where like I would pull over on the side of the road before I'd come home, close my eyes if I needed to, and say a prayer before I came into the house. Yeah. And that was part of the way. But I think you hit something that's really important that's worth um, noting. Uh, I don't know why this is happening, but um, why is this bothering me? All right. So sorry, there's like prompts coming up on, on my uh, on my live feed uh, thing um, there. It's you do get used to it at some point. Right. Like the, and the, here's the tricky thing. The last thing I'll say about this, but I think it's really important for, for new parents. The One of the hardest things is that no one's going to sympathize with you. Right. Um, that parents <laughs> that have done it, they we all everyone laughs like, oh, yeah, that's kind of how it goes. And people but you'll never also hear anyone that doesn't have kids tell you they're tired for the rest of your life you just go huh yeah you're tired huh like there's just no <laughs> tired like teacher I, I like i'm going to say this there's no tired like teacher new parent tired right those two things together you feel like you could run for you could go through hell week for the navy seals when they're like all tired and sleepy and you're like bro what like right i'll do some more push-ups like I, so like, it feels like on that level almost one example i do want to give mallory is uh, another thing that cj did that i thought was really really smart is he learned how to play with the kids while still getting rest like these were he came up with genius games like genius little ideas to like that kept the kids engaged and would scatter them through the house whether it was like I don't know what kind of weird stuff. So you did? I, I'll give you two really quick examples that are dumb, right? So these, none of these are smart. They're all dumb. Um, 
I would hide gold coins. So we had these plastic gold coins and get them at the dollar store. And I'd put like a dozen of them upstairs. I would then take pictures of where I put them with my phone. So it'd only be like a little tiny shot of like my pillowcase, of a rug, of the dog bed, of a stuffed animal. Then I give the kids my phone and you don't get any points unless you can find them all. You have to go upstairs and find where did I take this? So they, they were a little, they were toddlers like when they were doing this. Um, and another one was wrestling. Do you remember when I would wrestle? <laughs> so I would do two things while napping. One, I'd play Minecraft, but I would just keep my finger slightly cocked on the moving part. So my Steve was always moving, but then I would fall asleep and Brody didn't tell the difference because my guy was just moving. He had no idea what I was doing. Or I would sleep on the floor under a blanket and then the kids would just jump on me, but they were too small to hurt me. And the blanket was, was padding. So, and then every once in a while, um, I would just give like a nudge and then fall back asleep for like a few minutes. And then I'd wake up and it was just enough to yeah. like get me there. And the kids have, they still have no freaking idea no. that I was sleeping under CJ there. CJ called these lazy dad games. Lazy dad games. And then he played them after school, generally when you were just exhausted. Yeah. So I think you, you'll come up with like some, some ways to, to balance it yeah. that's really the only suggestion that we can give but best of luck Mar mallory it's hard it is um okay catherine is up next asking working toward narrowing down my topic for my education based dissertation i would love to do uh the correlation between student success and relationships any advice i i think that that is a largely untapped so catherine i think having a conversation about the intersection of relationships with students and student success is something that is largely untapped because I think it's an, it's a scary area for a lot of teachers. Teachers get nervous when thinking about relationships because they just see all the things that are, um, that they shouldn't be doing or that have gone wrong or things that the media say like, Oh, you know, like this, like there's this fear around connecting with your students on a relational level. And I'm telling you that as someone that has been doing this for years and has gotten like looks from people or people said something to me, um, I just, I know what I'm about. I know who I am. I know why I'm doing it. And I, I'll tell you what, as something, let me tap into this, as someone who lost their dad at a very young age, for lack of a better term, I've been constantly looking for like father energy. I still do this to this day. I'm 46 year old man that is still like anyone that has that kind of like puts off that kind of like father like energy or gives you that attention like a dad would. I am drawn to that, magnetized to that. And I think young people are too, right? Like when you grow up, you could still have your dad be alive and they're just like not very attentive. And this could be, in, you know, this is any demographic, any school in the world. Um, it's giving that sort of like, here's what it is. It's giving your presence as a present to kids. And I think showing up and doing things like that is giving kids the blessing of your time, of your undivided attention. And when we do that, when you are meeting that, like if we're looking at Maslow's hierarchy of, of needs, we're meeting that need. It makes like, what? Like now English? Like it, Like it's just not so hard because I'm feeling belief in myself. I'm feeling seen. I'm feeling cared for. Um, I'm not lonely. I'm not invisible. And when we start meeting those needs, student success is, is like, it, it's part of one of the building blocks. Now, look, I think we can help kids get successful in a lot of different ways. But to me, that has always been the way that's the most natural and the way that has just sort of like, um, been so obvious to me, but I think that's because that's what I needed. And so, but I, I would think doing a study around that would be something incredible. All right. Next up is Eric asking, what do you think are the three essential boundaries teachers should set with students in class to have a better classes and healthier relationships with kids beyond not trying to be a friend? Yeah. So, I mean, look, I think that being a friend thing is even um, it's gray area, right? There's, it, it's, it's a hard thing to say. Cause I I've, I've had students to my house. I've had, like, we've had dinners for bunches of kids, like, um, especially like the older they get, like when you're a senior, um, I've been on the way home from class trips and kids have stopped by. Cause they were like, Reynolds, can we see your house? Like say hi to your family. And like Cephas and cheesesteak and all the dudes are like coming <laughs> over. And next thing I know they're playing video games with my son in the living room. And so 
Um, I have had lunch with students at school every day for two periods, uh, a day for years. Um, there's a lot of like, like things like that, that, and, and things I've done that I wouldn't necessarily, I don't recommend, right? Like I don't, that, I, and some that I'm, I'm like, I realized hmm, that was a bad idea. Uh, however, I think that it's, it is, we have to think about, I think oftentimes what is best for the kid and what just feels good to me, right? Like I don't need to be like a hero. I don't need you to mention me in your graduation speech or, or be at your wedding. Like, like those I've been, I've had that happen to me. Um, but that's not my reason why. I think when we're thinking about things like boundaries, it is what is in the best interest of the child and is going to benefit the child the most. And so that's that's one, right? So like, it, I'm not thinking about me. I'm not thinking about what feels good in my heart or makes me makes me proud of myself. Um, that, that I have to get rid of that stuff. It's what's in in the interest of the child. I think real practical things are like, look, never be a room in a room classroom alone with a student. Now I say that. And I did it last year. Like I, I just am at a space where like certain students, I have guys come in, they want to talk about something. I know that it's something of a, of a, of th that they're feeling some type of way about and that they need that privacy. And so I do it. Right. But I know who I'm dealing with. Right. There's, there aren't, there, there's very, very little ch to no chance that something weird's going to happen or they're going to say something or, or, you know what I mean? Like, it's not going to get weird. This is like, yo, my dad is in, is acting a certain way. Again, I need to talk to someone about it. And I'm, I'm talking to a kid that doesn't really talk about feelings. So it's like, look, I'm going to make this a private event, right? Or if that's too weird, go to the school office and talk about it there. Like there's conference rooms and things of that nature that you can like write a time down and someone knows you're in there, right? But it's be, be smart. You want to be smart because we're dealing with kids um, and we want kids to feel safe also. And, you know, I think the other boundary is, I just have a lot of rules around like, look, when dudes are like, yo, I followed you on Instagram or I subscribed to your YouTube channel. Can you do the same for me? Nope. Nope. Like not until I like you're like, you have to be in the next level. There's levels to this, right? There's levels to this relational piece to this connection piece. And when I know you just as a freshman, some kids move up quickly and some kids never get there because I follow. Here's here's the, the answer. I think really to a lot of this, Eric, is your intuition. Your intuition, I think, is, is something that teachers really need to tap into that when it feels like this isn't a good idea or the flip when this might seem weird that I'm about to buy a kid clothes for a job interview. I'm just not making it weird. But I feel it in my heart that like this is a move that I have to do when I find feel that I have to buy a kid glasses, when I have to buy a kid detergent, when I need to buy a kid lunch, when I need to um, do like I mean, it's a lot of buying things, but like when I have to make that move, that if my intuition feels like that is what I'm doing, look, I think to me, that is something supernatural that I think is going on there. And then that's how I move with it. But it's really listening to that intuition is going to tell you because look, fair isn't equal. And so for all things, kids, all things aren't going to be the same and they shouldn't be the same. Um, I can connect with certain students and talk about certain things. I just can't with other students, but I listen to that intuitive piece in, inside of me. Um, because I don't want to, I don't, it's not just about me being safe, although that is a huge part of it. It's about what's safest for kids, what's best for kids. And so that, I don't know that I answered your question particularly directly, but I, that's, that's where I would go with that. All right. KP is asking, Hey Reynolds, how do you handle students doing assignments for other classes while in your classroom? Like instead of getting your work done? Oh, it doesn't happen. Um, yeah, no. <laughs> uh, when they come in and they're just like, yeah, but I just got to finish this real quick. It's like, or like, I, I have, but I have history class next. And I have this to do. Oh, wait, what? Like, do you, like, you're not, you're not doing it during a track meet. You're not doing a wrestling practice. You're not like, um, and I tell kids my class, this is my, this is my time, right? Like, this is my time. And so it, I think the lesson in that also is not just like me putting my foot down and saying like, no, I think it is part of it is, is talking to kids about managing their time, about allocating their time appropriately, because what you're doing is trying to catch up right now. Now, every once in a while, right? If, they, if you have a student that like that never happens with, um, 
by all means, if you're feeling like they're upset, they were late to school, they uh, have been sick and out for a few days, like whatever, um, you can make that decision. But by and large, when you're in my class, no, I need you to learn that this is not when you do it. This is my time for my class, but here's the next step, right? So I'm not just laying the hammer down. We're going to have a conversation. Can Why don't you come in during lunch today or after school today real quick? And let's just like look at your schedule because I want to help you through this. I don't, I don't want this to happen. That's horrible. I hate when that happens. But right now I need you to dial in because you're going to be late then on my stuff or you're going to be backed up on my stuff. And I'll be honest with you, English is the most important uh, class of the day. And that's what I tell kids all the time. Um, and because I had a good relationship with my buddy, uh, Mr. Rufo, who taught math, I would tell kids, math's not that important. Uh, you should do that in Rufo's class today. Tell him I said that can happen. But that was not because I don't think math is important, um, but because I think that it would be funny to do that to Mr. Rufo. So, uh, yeah, so it's it's letting kids know no, but then let me help you with this problem. That's where, That's the other piece that I think teachers often miss. It's not just that I'm saying what you can or cannot do in this time. It's why I'm saying it, but then let me help you with your issue and let's get to the bottom of this because I want you to have a more well-balanced and and rhythmic life. All right. Our next question is coming up from Jacob asking, I'm planning to take four to five days off for a vacation in March. How should I plan for this? I'm one of those who never takes off uh, off work and especially taking off multiple days is a first. So Jacob, let's go to this place. Let's go to, I used to be someone that never took off, but now... I find that um, I am. So what does someone that does look like? Uh, and I say this as someone that uh, like I thought I'd never take. I wanted to never take a day off. I wanted to be known as the teacher that like never, ever, ever took a day off. But then I realized there is little to no benefit to this. Right. Like working at charter schools my whole life. I those days didn't roll over. I didn't get paid for them at the end of the year. There's all these like perks that other teachers dealt with this went away. And then Mr. Hasty, I'm talking about you, Haste. Um, Mr. Hasty, who was right next door, went to Hawaii for a week. And uh, it was neither here. Like, it was all right. So I remember the first time we did it, my brother was getting married in Ventura, California. And I, even my principal, I told him, I said, listen, I don't like taking off in the middle of the year. My brother's getting married. I need to just take a long weekend. He goes, a long weekend? He goes, are the kids going with you? I said, yeah. And my our kids were probably... Seven eight, and nine, seven and nine, right? So, um, he goes, Are you gonna do Disney while you're out there? And I was like, Well, you know, we thought about it, but like, I want to really want to get back to school. He's like, No, man, he goes, It's your brother. He goes, You only have one brother, right? I said, Yeah, he goes, this Is it? There's only trying to get to do this, like, go out, do Disney, do the whole thing. And so, it was, it was Dr. Noah Tennant of the Philadelphia school system who gave me that piece of advice and made me feel at ease about it. And it was one of the best decisions I could have made because then you come back to school. If you set it up right, come back to school and you feel great. So I would have students doing work that, look, I'm not going to make something that's fun. You're going to have a, a you're going to have a sub that is or isn't going to even pay attention in class. So I prep my students on the front end, let them know what I expect. Um, I put certain students in charge of coming in and checking my room at midday and at the end of the day to make sure that things are straightened up, trash is off the floor, things are where they're supposed to go. I pay those kids in donuts or lunch when I come back, donuts or cheesesteaks all the time. It's Philly. Um, and then I give them like systematic, not super complicated work that they're going to do while I'm not there. So like a new Zella thing or something on an Ed puzzle, but it's like, you're still getting some level of education, but I'm not here. What I don't want to do is come back from a break and feel completely overwhelmed by a stack of work that I have to grade. I want work that grades itself. Um, I'm putting out a video this week, I think. I think it's come out this week on a new grading system. It's an app. Uh, it's it's like an app or a web-based uh, thing that grades your work for you, all multiple choice work for you. And it's friggin' brilliant. Um, and so... That, that's coming out this week, I think. But it's like, that's I want something like that. I want something that's automated. I want to come back and have little to no work to do because I want to take the energy that I feel, that rest, that relaxation, that rejuvenation, and show back to work up with that. Oh, bro. It's like, it's incredible. And the kids are just thankful because they always hate the subs at our school. So like, um, which is why they text me the whole time I'm on vacation. I got to do like, do not disturb. But like, that's what I'm trying to think of is like, Prepping kids on the front end, letting them know the expectations, 
grading stuff when I come back that's little to no effort. And then bringing that energy back is what I'm trying to do. So that's what I would do. And the best, I hope you have the greatest time of your life doing this. All right. Scott is up next asking, hello. So I got hired to finish middle school social studies class six to eighth. After 27 years out of a classroom, what did I get into? Well, Scott, if you don't have white hair now, you will. <laughs> um, I think, I don't know. Like, I, it's like this, Scott. When you haven't taught for a minute and you go back to teaching, what have you gotten yourself into? Who are you that you weren't 27 years ago? Like, mm -hmm. this isn't even like we can't even talk about this. Like, it's the same person showing back up. Um, even if you didn't want to grow over 27, like, I, I'm not, like you clearly aren't that person, right? But even if you were like, I will not grow up in 27 years, you, you had to have changed. You've been through things. Things have formed you, shaped you. Your view of the world's different. Your view of education is probably different. Your view of what it means to be a student or how to be successful in life. There are all these things that you've become since you were last in the classroom. And so what you get yourself into, I think, is is 100% a mindset thing. I think, you, you ask me, I think you got yourself into something awesome, right? Like you get to show up who knows what happened, right? Like who knows what happened when why a teacher left and you get to usher in the rest of the year. This is a, I would think this is a blessing kids didn't even see coming. So show up, care about kids, put them first and try to make this the greatest half of the year these students have ever had in their lives. Something they're going to talk about next year and be like, man, I wish we, Mr. Sharp had been our teacher all year. And so how do we do that? I think we have to I think it's, and this is not, I'm not saying this, anything to do with me. You can go and find things anywhere. Um, but how do we grow? We grow wherever we find truth. And then we lean into that. So finding whether it's YouTube videos or Facebook groups or courses or classes that are going to build you and build your, your ability, like some around your pedagogy, it's personal, it's personal and pedagogy, right? Growing in those two areas is only going to help you win even more. And so it's looking for those opportunities uh, at every turn to get better in both of those areas as best you can before, the, you know, the end of the school year and just keep going and have a great time. All right. Up next is Mark asking, as someone who is just starting my YouTube journey, I've learned a lot from your videos. My question is, is how, how you balance making great YouTube content while also being an active and engaged teacher? To me, Mark, it's about, it's, that creativity piece comes from the same place. And so, um, you know, one of my, like, I don't, I don't know if I want to say mentor, but like uh, my publisher, Dave Burgess, who has like, I think maybe this, one of my single favorite books on education ever is that he said at one point, someone told him and they were like looking at all of his creative lessons. They said, oh, it must be nice to be creative. And he's like, that makes me so angry because it's so dismissive. Like you were just born creative. Now, some people are, they are, they think differently than others, right? Like, just like some people are just kind of like a little bit more naturally funny, but which I get a lot, right? I get told like, when we hang out with people like how funny I am. Um, but I'm always thinking of Joe, like my wife is the sounding board for things. And she lets me know what's dumb and what's funny. I'm constantly making up songs, doing stupid stuff. Like I'm a tough audience. Too. Yeah, yeah. Making things that are, I think are funny that sometimes win and sometimes don't, but I'm constantly exercising that muscle. Um, I, I think creativity is the same thing, right? And so whether you're being creative on YouTube or you're being creative in the classroom, I think the more you're being creative, the more you're showing up and going through the process, things just start showing up. And so when I think of being a YouTuber, it is what are the, what do my, I mean, my, my journey started with, what do I wish existed when I started teaching? What do I wish I knew? What do I wish I had more clarity on? What is a problem that my audience is most likely going through? And then how can I speak to that? And the classroom is the same thing. What teacher did I need when I was younger? Right. It's always about like this kind of like looking back and what did I need when I was younger? And then how can I handle that now? That's where I'm doing it. So I'm meeting needs and I am in both areas 
and I am trying to be creative in every aspect of my life because I know that that creativity is ultimately going to bleed over into everything else anyway. Um, and, and into how I creatively like, you know, love my wife or love my kids or care for my dog. Like I, I don't like nothing I do is very normal. And that sometimes bites me in the ass, but um, it, because I'm always thinking out of that, that place in my, in my mind. And so uh, yeah, that's, that's where I would go with that. Uh, I just want to add in there yeah. as far as like balance though, between teaching and oh, okay. like he's he's asking like the balance between like doing all the videos and being an active like still staying an active and great engaged teacher i just want to say i think that you have to have from what i've seen on the outside looking in in this journey um you have to be super what do you call it when you're always so organized and like systematic and by the calendar man. yeah like the more systematic and like procedures that you can put in for everything um, you can fit more stuff in your day. You get, you're able to do more with your day because you realize you have a lot more time when you're really scheduling everything. And I think that when you want to live a level three life that requires a lot more, you there's there's no way to do it other than that. So, but I'm but give... again, Jocko Williams, Williams, Willink. I always think is so great. His quote of um, discipline equals freedom. And I'm not a disciplined person all the time, and I don't. I don't run like CJ does. That's not my natural, but I've creating our business and doing what we do. It's, I see that it's like imperative and the discipline does equal freedom. I will give you one small example of that. And I, this might be for someone, which is why I'm saying it. Um, one of the ways I love to, I love to love my wife is by making her coffee in the morning, but I wake up. So at, when I'm at my best, I'm waking up at four. Um, other times it's like five, five thirty. And so how do I maximize that time in the morning, right? Because I have a lot of things that I do in the morning. Um, one of the ways that I do that is that I also can't stand when it's messy in my house when I wake up. So we have gotten to a place where I was like, oh, well, I'll make, I'll pre prep the coffee the night before, but now I need time to do that. I keep forgetting to do it. So instead I have this plan now where I do, my kids have to do a 600 second cleanup, right? Which they figured out was 10 minutes, 600 <laughs> second cleanup every night after dinner. Um, which isn't that big of a deal. Our house is never that messy. So it gets, can get cleaned up in about 10 minutes, but we never want to do it at the end of the day. Right. But we no. put in a system and yeah. a, and, a and we make it kind procedure. of fun and we're all doing it together and whatever. So then we were cleaning up for 600 seconds during that time. I, we use a French press. So I grind my coffee beans at night. I make sure the French press is out. So everything's prepped. So in the morning, also the, one of the worst things you can ever hear in the morning is friggin' coffee grinder. So, um, I am prepped in the morning. The water's in the kettle. So what I'm saying is like, there are ways that I am, I'm kind of stealing my time back. I'm finding times to do it so that I, it's not all happening then. Right. Um, so like I'm prepping myself for the morning. So I would say the last thing is um, start the night before, right? Start the night before to prep yourself for the next day and have a clear vision of what you're going to do. Um, and then, refine that system over time right so my coffee making experience in the morning is getting better and better and better and better i'm not even done i'm not even done i'm not even done refining <laughs> it and optimizing it because i'm a weirdo uh so that's what i like to do that's part of it all right our next question comes from Lori, uh asking how do i get my middle school students to respect me i think Lori, the way you get any students to respect you is by first you have to show up and they have to know a these few things. One, that you care because no one cares what you know until they know that you care, right? And so how do we do that? It is by showing up and when a kid tells you a story or wants to talk to you about something, as long as at the appropriate time, if it's not, tell them what time is appropriate, stopping and listening to kids, stopping what you're doing completely and just paying attention. Now, I know that's stealing time from your grading or your emails or the stuff that you have to do, but we're only in education for students anyway, right? So we stop and we pay attention to kids. You're Again, you're giving them the presence of your presence. And so the other thing is connecting what we're doing to a real world why, not because you have to know it next year, not because you have to know it in high school or college or for the SAT or for the ACT or because whatever. It is this, let's talk about why of mice and men matters because friendship matters because your dreams matter. And so those are two themes that we're going to show up in this, like this idea of like, not just having a friend, but having a ride or die is a theme 
in of mice and men. And so when we can do that, when we can connect what we're doing to kids' actual world, what we're doing is saying that this matters and it's going to affect your life right now. How can I make that connection point? Um, and then I think it's taking what kids are interested in and showing up in class and using that information. So when we show kids that not only do you matter, but I'm listening so intently, I'm listening so completely that I'm going to go home and watch an episode of Owl House. And then I'm going to show you, listen, y'all, um, metaphors matter. Why do metaphors matter? Because this is a way of explaining yourself. This is a way of getting your point across. And in life, being a clear communicator is the number one thing, right? That you can, it's a number one skill to be successful in the world. So sometimes we use metaphors to do that. Let me show you a way that we can use metaphors and how they're more effective than just explaining things sometimes. And to do that, I was watching Owl House last night and I know I'm a 46 year old man, but I care so much about you all that I'm willing to jeopardize my own pride uh, and sense of how my family sees me by watching cartoons at nighttime. So I watched Owl House and they used a metaphor in it and I want to show you how it works. And then you tie that back into your lesson. And I'm telling you through experience that kids look at you like, what? Like you watch out like, Rel's really like, you're really, you're, this is what kids say to the time. You're different. I never really knew how to take like, what does that mean? Like, uh, I could, I could take that a whole bunch of different ways, but what I want you to know and not, I'm not just letting you figure it out. I'm letting you know, I care about you so all so much that I can't even let you talk during my lesson because your education is paramount. Your success in life is paramount to me. It is the reason I'm here. I care about you so much. Like, listen, like, oh, you want to talk to me? I'm not even going to listen to I'm not even going to keep grading because I care about you so much. I'm going to listen to you with my whole body right now. It's letting kids know you can't just let them figure out. Why am I connecting this all the time to Fortnite, to Call of Duty, to Owl House, to whatever else you're, you're into right now? Because you matter. So to understand this, to get kids to enter our world of education, we have to be willing to enter their world of whatever they're interested in. And you don't have to watch all episodes of whatever epi thing or play all the games or do all the things, but you can have a general knowledge of what they're talking about and where they're coming from. And those are the beginning steps of, of that. The last thing is your level of consistency. That when I say there's no talking in my classroom, I mean by all means necessary, there is no talking when I'm talking in class. Now, you might need to get better at like not talking so much. Some people talk for 30, 40 minutes and give a lecture and they expect kids to pay attention. Can I see what the needs are of my class? And can I get this down to a five minute, like quick rant? Yo, y'all, I need to talk to you. It's going to take five minutes for me to do this. 30 minutes for the directions. Are we ready? Can I get your attention for five minutes? Everybody. That's what I'm talking about. And then you get uber consistent over time. And that's going to be another thing. Because oftentimes, especially when you teach in a school where a lot of teachers have left over time, there's high turnover. Kids are waiting to see if you're going to be one of them. They want to see if you're really about it. Show them you're about it and show up every single day, being consistent, loving them, caring for them, and, and, and bringing their world into your classroom. That's how you do it. All right, Jacob is up next asking follow-up questions. Students at my school are notorious for not doing work when there is a sub. They treat it like a free day and make up excuses why they didn't do the work when we returned. All right. Any advice? Yes. <clears throat> oh, I love this question. All right. So this is, I feel like every teacher on here just went, yeah, oh, what are you going to say for this one? Mm -hmm. You got an answer for this one? <laughs> um, I do. One, I pregame it. Listen, everybody. I will not be in school next week because I'm going to have fun with my family. I will be in California or if I'm Mr. Hasty, I'm in Hawaii and I'm chilling. Um, I need to know that when I'm gone, please don't make me come back to a nightmare, right? Like I, I, I don't want to do all that. So here is the expectation of when I'm gone because I don't care what the sub said. I don't care if the sub said you could do it later. You don't have to do it right now. There's no assignment. I'm telling you right now, Here's the assignment. So I give the kids the work the week before, right? This is what will be due next week, right? So I don't have to give them the assignments, but they have a, a rundown of it. Here's the other expectation that unless you are not in school, right? You got called out or you got pulled to, you have testing, you had therapy, you had to meet with an advisor or something like that. The work is due 
the day I return to school. If not, it's zero, right? So I'm making it very clear, very easy that this is my expectation. Now, I don't take any excuses when this happens, right? Unless you can have that teacher, that counselor, that person writes a letter, writes me an email, lets me know, look, you know, listen, Jason wasn't in class on Wednesday because he was meeting with me about something. Brad, don't, don't even do it. Because I'll tell you right, right now, um, I don't even do makeup work. By and large, if kids are out of school, um, I got to a point in my career where like, I just, it was like, if you were out, don't, don't worry about this. I'll get, don't sit here and do the guided notes. I'm just going to give you the notes. You didn't do the five comprehension questions. Let me just catch you up in the story. Because if you think about it, we have kids that know no time management are learning. Um, now they have eight classes and you know, all their seven classes gave them all the makeup work to do, right? Just listen, don't even worry about it. Like you were sick. What the hell am I going to do? Punish you for being sick? So, um, but that being said, unless you have an actual note, then it's a zero. And I talk to kids about the power of a zero, what that actually means you're great, what you're actually going to have to do to bring that zero back up. So it's very clear what's going on. When you show back up that first Monday or whatever, undoubtedly, right? I don't even have a conversation. I'm not even, I'm not even talking about the work, right? I just start putting in zeros. If kids want to come talk to me about it, they see that zero, they come in in the middle of the day. I will listen to anything that you have to say, but it has to be after school or during a, a, a designated time. If you have office hours or something like that, don't let kids just come up in the middle of class and be all upset. And the way you get them to be less upset is, of course, I'm going to listen to, of course, I'll listen to anything that you have to say. It doesn't mean I'm going to actually change what I'm doing, but I'll listen to anything that you have to say, because I want you to be really good at advocating for yourself, but it has to be during a designated time. I can't go to my, to city hall in my town and complain about my whatever, whenever I want, there's times that they're open and there's times that they're closed. I can't return a product to target whenever I want, because there's times that they're open, there's times they're closed. And if you're at Walmart, they might just tell you that there's no returns today anyway, because they just don't feel like it. Cause that's how Walmart runs. Um, but like, uh, I said it, said that about Walmart. So that that's kind of how I roll that out. It's, it's pre-gaming them. It's letting them know clear expectations and it's giving them a space to argue that when they come back. Um, but knowing that I don't necessarily have to do whatever they're they're talking about or, or you know, give them an extra chance or anything like that. Um, and it's, it's, uh, but I want to give them space to advocate for themselves to talk about that stuff. Um, John Lopez had an interesting comment. Oh, uh, he said that his students know that if they misbehave while a sub is there, that he'll do a home visit. I go, Oh, that's, that's, oh. that's, he put the bar real high. Like, Something so kids Jacob, don't the, want. The answer there is to say, don't make me go full Lopez on you. Right. <laughs> I will go full Lopez and I will show up at your house. I will Lopez you. Um, that's a new term. Yeah. That's a good shirt. Don't make me go full Lopez. Oh, my. Listen, kids. Okay. Laura is up next asking sure. a question. While reflecting on the death of David Crosby, who are your favorite singer songwriters? And in what ways did you bring music into your classroom? I don't think I knew David Crosby died. Neither did I. Um, did this just happen? I don't know. And I'm totally a Crosby, Stills, Nash, and Young oh. fan. Um, I just don't pay attention. That close. We don't watch the news. I don't. It's really <laughs> horrible. You live in Philadelphia. You don't watch the news. No. Um, I think favorite singer songwriter. I mean, gosh, I really, I'll tell you what. Are you going to actually tell everybody your favorite? Because I don't I think you really tell people your favorite part. Because I, I know you don't. I'm I, Music is such an incredibly important part of my life. And I am very secretive about it. Um, and my daughter has gotten this trait for me because she is very secretive about it as well. Um, since I was I was 15 years old, I was riding the bus to school. Thedra Edie was sitting across from me and told me to listen to a tape. Um, and that was Pearl Jam's 10 album. Since then, since that moment, uh, Pearl Jam has been my favorite band of all time. I've seen them more times than I've seen any other band. Um, and... That's just, that's just how that works. And so I, but I don't talk about that very often. Um, how do I bring music into my classroom? I, one of the things I learned was that kids don't care what music I listen to unless we're just having a talk. Right. But um, so there's certain kids, cause if I get talking about music, it's a wrap. Like I have certain people like oh, one of my Tracy old students Pinter. or Romina, right. Yes. The uh, yeah. young woman that wrote the, uh, the foreword to my book. Um, she is a, 
she is a should have been born in the 90s her parents just had her 20 years too late um because we love a lot of the same music from the same time period and she even loves old weird stuff too like that not everyone else knows about so um I, but i what i found is that i don't play the music i love in my classroom i play music that's fitting for my classroom so like if i i'm not going to play like um tribe called quest which is one of my favorite bands of all time um in class uh but i will play like lo-fi beats um i did get to a place there's certain times in class where um i will play like uh i could find like low-end theory by tribe called quest like just the instrumental but the problem is when there's some kid that knows the song it becomes distracting that's why i don't play like well-known like music in my classroom unless it's through my vocab lessons and I have a whole video on how I do vocab, but I learned how to incorporate music. And that was a way to incorporate tons of different music. Um, and that has had, that had a huge impact on my classroom, which I won't go into the whole thing here, but it's worth watching the video. But uh, yeah, that's, that's how I do it. All right. Miss L is up next. Music asking... is, let me, let me say this too. Oh. <laughs> I think it's just worth mentioning. Like, how much like music is like the first thing I listen to in the beginning of the day. It's what I listen to on my way to school. It's what I listen to when I'm walking in school. It's what I listen to in between classes, it's what I listen to on my way home. It is, th there is a soundtrack for all parts of my life. So it's like, it's what you wrote teacher class. You wrote, you wrote teacher class off to, to like a certain a playlist. playlist to a certain, I listened to the same like 15 songs over and over and over again as I wrote teacher class off. Um. So he passed away on uh, January 18th. Oh, I didn't know that. Mm. Now I have to go look to it and you're going to make me pull out. I have, okay miss l she's asking uh, started a new school no classroom of my own it's going okay but it's hard starting over again after having um having more autonomy uh, how to stay and get motivated in starting over new beginnings are tricky they are um i, I remember when i went from camden to west philly and I just thought it how was many been, years were you teaching? I was teaching Canada? five, which is a good amount yeah. of time to start feeling like you know something. Mm -hmm. Like you're not like and on all things, you're married for five years, a little more confident. You're a parent for five years, you got some sauce, right? Like I'm feeling a little bit, mm -hmm. I'm feeling a little swaggy. And so um I went into that school and those kids just let me know we don't give a sh where you taught. This is literally like that's what I was told. We don't care what you were taught before. We don't care what, what you did before. They don't care. Like, what do you got for, what are you doing here? And so to me, that was so telling. Um, and the way that I show up is that one, I have a real feeling of like, I want to prove myself. Um, I want to show up. I want to, to be, I want, I want to be the teacher I dreamed of being. And so how am I going to do that? Um, the other thing is having patience and knowing that it takes time because when kids are trying, but like I said before, when kids are waiting to see if you're going to stick around, um, that's only something you can push through. Like no one's going to believe you because you say it right. They've had all kinds of people show up and say that to them. But when you realize I'm going to stick around for a season um, that like you have to prove it, right? It's like love is a verb. You can't, who cares if you say so? I love you to someone, you got to act loving to someone. And so the other thing is, um, I think, Miss Ella, it's reminding yourself why you're there. What are you doing there? You're there for kids. So even on hard days, we can show up, find someone that feels like they're invisible, feels like they, they are alone, and let them know that they're not. And just start small, but start with that one kid and that crew and then that like two crews. And and um, I think love is contagious. And, and when kids start seeing the kind of person you are and how you interact with young people, then that magnetizes them towards you. And they want to be around that teacher because those teachers are few and far between. We like to think that all teachers show up because of kids, but they don't. Um, and, and for whatever reason, I'm not even here to judge why people are where they are in their life and how they feel about things. I mean, it's no, no consequence to me at all. I'm just showing up trying to be me as loud and as authentically as possible. And that's going to start changing the tide. Uh, so I keep, keep an eye out for that, but, but also celebrating those small wins, not just having this vision of like what I want this to look like ultimately, but noting I'm getting there, I'm getting there. I'm getting there. And so I think that's how I would move. All right. Our next question comes from my mirror. 
Yay! I'm Mir Williams. I know, and I can't even believe What's this. What's up, buddy? Listen to this question. He says, yo, Reynolds, hope you are well. Starting to student teach this semester. Biggest tips for a student teacher. I'm your Williams. Call is, your former uh, teacher. <laughs> was a freshman in my English class uh, in West Philly, and um, went to Belize with me, not Costa Rica. Went to Belize with me. Um, it is it is worth going back and type in "Real Rap with Reynolds Belize." It is worth going back and watching. Um, he was one of the only kids that would touch a tarantula. I remember mm. um, and eat so fish brave. out of a mud oven in the middle of the jungle. <laughs> so. Um, He's also, uh, Amir, we are watching uh, Survivor right now. I've, I've been talking about you with my kids because Amir is like the biggest Survivor fan I've ever met in my life. So um, biggest tips for, for being a student teacher. I think it is, here. student teaching is going to be, and you've wanted to be a teacher for a long time too, right? So it is showing up and realizing that right now you're going to take all the stuff you learn in the classroom and it's going to be become... This is where like the rubber meets the road, right? It's like you learned how to box in a classroom, but like this is like the first time you're going to be in a in a boxing match. And so I think it's, I think, I, let me talk about it like this. Mistakes that I made were, I thought I was better than I was. And I'm not, I'm not putting this on you or on anyone else that starts student teaching, right? This is me. I thought I was better than I was. I was a little bit more confident than I thought I should be. And the reason that was an issue is that came back to bite me in the ass later. Because I remember like students calling me out on stuff, students pointing things out, like gaps or holes in my lesson. I was like, oh, well, that hurt. And I think if I went into that a little bit more with a little bit more humbleness, um, I, I that wouldn't have happened to me. It is, it is not just looking at what people are doing. It's how they're doing it. So like if you notice someone has a great classroom, it's noticing things. If you notice someone has a classroom that's a disaster area. It could be a dumpster fire, but observing all those classes, because of what you're making as I have, I still have them. I have notes of like, these are things I want to make sure that I do as an educator. And these are things I never want to do as an educator. These are ways I want to connect with students. These are ways I don't want to. And then getting really close to those people that are doing good stuff, because those are going to be the people that you're going to feel safe in calling on. So the person I student taught with I called that dude for years after I started teaching because I would be like, listen, I need advice on this. I need advice on this. So it's realizing that you don't have to do it all yourself, but that student teaching in and of itself is not just you showing up and proving yourself. It's you learning. This is a great experience and great time for you to learn and to practice. The other thing is the last thing I would say is do not wait to be the teacher you dream of being, right? You have to show up on day one looking to connect, looking for kids to help, looking for kids to talk to, looking for teachers to learn from, um, that I never sat silently in the back of the room, that my request on the first day was I want to be up on, in front of the class when the teacher's introducing stuff. I'm standing there already. I'm handing out papers. I'm grading stuff. I'm sitting with small groups. I'm pulling kids aside. I'm talking to kids in the hallway. I'm having lunch with students. I am going to plays. I'm going to recitals. I'm going to football games. I am becoming an active participant of this because that is the only way the only like i'm not putting my thing my toe in the water to see how cold the water is or warm it is i'm just jumping in i think that is it um and that sort of level of showing up of being excited um and of being caring that is going to magnetize kids to you big time and is that that so that's what i would do and let me know, man, if you need help, just you have my number, like just reach out and I'm happy with anything I can. All right. We're going to take two more questions. Um, Maddie is up next asking, I'm starting as the main teacher tomorrow and was wondering, what is your grading system? Like, do you do weighted categories, units, total points? So I do units. I do five units a year. So five books, a unit each. Um, I do total points. And the reason for that is I found that my students um, didn't understand category weights. It's very tricky. And unless you're very dialed in. So I do have friends that are like, here's a five week unit or whatever it is, right? What it, how long it is, is irrelevant. But they knew every week there'd be this many classwork assignments, this many homework assignments, this many quizzes, this many tests. So it all evened out and the kids could get a vision for what that was going to be. But what I found was that 
kids are doing all the work all week and then they get a test and they bomb the test. And now why did, why do I have a 30 in your class? Because tests are 50% of your grade and the classwork was only 10% of your grade and whatever, but they've been trying so hard all week, but it was the test that they had anxiety around or that they just didn't do well on or whatever, whatever the reason may be. Um, total points made more sense because kids grow up with sports, right? So it's like, how many points do I, how do I win a game? Because I have, because it's like that, like I, because I'm playing for points here um, and different shots are worth different amounts of points. A in a football game, a touchdown is worth seven points, but a field goal is worth this. Or if I go for extra points, I can run a play and do that. I don't know that much about football, so I can't really speak to that. But um, it is, I think total points just make more sense to my students. So I think the question, Maddie, is what's going to work best for your students? And that might come from learning from other teachers and how they're doing it and not what works best for teachers, what has worked best for students? So whenever asking, this is a good point too, whenever asking for advice or for clarity or for help from teachers, if you hear them talking about what works best for them, I'm a little bit leery of that. Now, there are best practices that work better for teachers. I do things that work best for me in all sorts of areas. But when it comes to how are you teaching vocabulary, I don't care what works best for you. I care what works best for kids. When I talk about grading, um, when I talk about discipline, I don't care what works best for you. I care what what are you what's giving you your students the biggest ROI. That's what I'm looking for. All right. Our next question is coming from Nick, middle school elective teacher here. What classroom management tips could you give for those full classes that have kids from all over the place behaviorally and academically? So, I mean, I have a lot of videos on classroom management that are worth looking at, and we also also did a uh, a workshop. Um, that's still available if, if you email me. Um, it was a paid workshop. Uh, I think it was like $65 Five, or something, something like that. And you get resources and all kinds of stuff for it. Um, however, and that's neither here nor there. What, what does this mean for you right now? Um, I, I think it's, I have, Nick, I have very few rules, right? I've, I have actually one rule in my class. That's it. I only have one rule. I'm not someone that posts 90,000. And look, when I talk about this stuff, I'm not trying to, hurt anyone's feelings or say that this is the only way, right? I think there's, there's a lot of ways to eat a Reese's, right? There's a lot of ways to manage the classroom. And so this is what works for me. I don't do rules on my wall. My only rule is give respect, get respect. That means I'm going to give you respect. My hope is that in return, you were going to give me respect. I'm going to get respect back, right? So it's, I think one is always respecting students. Two is I'm never above you. I'm not, I'm not in charge here. I'm not the, I, I'm not the like overseer, right? But I, I tend to, I am a leader though, right? The thing, it's not classroom management. Management makes me seem like I'm trying to herd a bunch of kittens together. Leading is I am taking charge. Management is I am, and this is something new I thought of uh, that's going to be in, in the workshop coming up, but management is I am the lifeguard at the pool. Leadership is I'm the team leader of the swim team. So I'm running this class, but why am I running it, right? This is another thing to kind of get your head around. I'm running this class in a particular way because I want you to be successful. And from what I can tell, this is what you all need so that you can be successful. Now, if I'm doing something that doesn't work out, then I can change that at any given time because I'm constantly pivoting, right? As the coach of a swim team, I got to look for what's the next move. What's the best strategy? What's the way that we're going to win? Because winning is the only thing I care about. Um, so I think that it's also, it's building connections as much as possible. It's being uber consistent. It's realizing that fair is not equal. So some kids, I don't, some kids I yell at, right? Because they need it. Um, and I, I have a whole video on that too. Uh, there are kids that I never yell at. There's kids that I have conversations with and I talk a certain way to and other kids that I have a totally different relationship with. There's certain students I allow to stand up and move while we're doing class because I realize that that's something that they need. Other kids that I don't. Some kids I'll repeat myself 15 times for because I know that there's a processing delay there and that that's just something that they need. And other kids that I know that we're talking to their friends and I'm not going to repeat it. So you need to ask someone else to find out what we're doing. But it's building in that fair is not equal model. And then it's building in that super level of consistency. Um, and then it's realizing that, look, 
there's no, there, there are just are very, I don't think there's perfect classrooms out there, right? Like I, if you came to my class, you wouldn't be like, this is magical. Everyone's working every single second of every single day. And they are just so invested in their futures and their education. It's not the case, right? <laughs> but what I'm, but what people don't know, because I've had folks like visit and they're like, this isn't exactly, it's like organized chaos. But what I'm doing is I'm hedging the long bet. Right. I'm not looking for the short term win all the time. I want you to win ultimately. So for some kids, that looks different. And I've had run ins with admin where certain kids will curse in my classroom. I got in trouble for this last year. A kid cursed in my classroom when they were giving an explanation. I got called into the office. There was a whole big friggin' thing about it. But what they didn't know is that that kid never participated in class like friggin' ever was either asleep, was high, or was just like, like not going to share. The day that they shared, they shared, and in, a, in not an overt way, in a kind of like, I just curse all the time, said the F word while I was explaining stuff, and I didn't call him out on it. Because I was too busy being thrilled that you just did something in class, that you participated, that you shared your voice, that you literally, you didn't just say what you wrote, you read what you wrote. And that takes such a higher level of confidence to be able to do that. And I was like, bro. I did talk to him on the side, like, listen, love that you talked. Um, if you could curse less, uh, that'd be great because my kids got to eat and you're going to get me in trouble. I, that's how I say it and it, and it wins. Um, but that I didn't call him out in the middle of class, I got in trouble for that. So, but there are other kids that will curse. I'm like, bro, will, what? Like, no, no, don't do that. Like, um, it's those are some of the things I look at when I'm learning to do classroom management. But look, ultimately, this is this is the bottom line. Teaching is a craft. You will get better at it over time like you do every single other thing. So look for small wins on how you're going to do that. And not just, it's not just looking at the game and did you win the game? It's looking at, did we have good plays? Did I did I handle things well? That That's the beginning piece of what I would ask you to kind of think about while you're getting into this stuff. And consistency. Like, I think that's another, like, did you, I don't know if you said consistency that. Is like huge. in your rules, whatever you do, like then that, that comes from just being a parent, right? I've learned that lesson on my end from just parenting children. It's like, what you say, you have to follow up and, and follow through and, and be and consistent. It you is. You can't be a couch parent. Couch parents are, what are y'all doing up there? I'm not kidding. Stop it. I don't said, stop make it. me come. I'm not, Knock it off. don't make me get. Knock come it on. off. Yeah. And then and they then just keep do doing anything, anything. right? <laughs> Actual parenting is getting off your butt. And even though you're exhausted, even though you were up all night, even though you taught all day, getting up and doing the thing, putting your child in timeout, bringing them back to timeout, bringing them back to timeout bring, for seven times until they stay there for the allotted amount of time or whatever. It's because that's what I said I was going to do. Now, you can change those things over time, but that'd be a conscious decision. Let it be a decision that you decided to make a change, but it's showing up and doing the thing, even though it is making your head explode. Yep. Because that's how you win all that. You find joy. It's you. Let me say this. You choose your heart. Do I want to do the work in the front end and have a great year? Or do I want to go easy and then I'm going to suffer all year? But I will argue this. I think you can get classroom management back at any time of the year. You could decide in May and school ends in June. I think you can still do it. Yep. We good. And to that note, do you want to, I want to talk people? about here yeah. real quick before you go, cause this is going to, this is going to help you out. We have started this idea. So I'm going to have starting this week, there's going to be one uploaded video every week, right? Um, on Thursdays, on Tuesdays, every Tuesday between now and the end of the school year, I am going to do um, a new segment. segment that I'm calling. Thank you. <laughs> segment that I'm calling education done differently. And this is live real world PD that will happen every Tuesday. Um, I'm going to say it's 20 minutes, but I know how I am, uh, which might end up being 40 minutes. But um, at, I think right now we're going to do the idea is, I don't know what time we think. I, I don't know what the hell time we're doing. You're going to see an announcement. It's going <laughs> to pop up on YouTube. Uh, I'm still trying to figure out the details because that's how I roll is uh, act now, think later. Um but we're going to do a live real world professional development on a single topic. We have this idea, the system that we're creating called the uh, HDR heavy, deep and real. We're going to go real deep three points tops on a given subject every Tuesday between now and the end of the year. Um, might do Q&A at the end. Not really sure if that's going to happen yet. We're still trying to figure this out. 
because uh, I want it to be something I can show up and do and not feel like I'm it's a huge commitment, but something that's definitely an important commitment because what we're seeing, especially in our Facebook group right now, is that folks are really, really struggling in class, right? And this is something we've seen, but we've been trying to figure out like, like I'm building things to help with that, but what's something I can show up every week and do? This is one of those things. Put out a consistent video, do Sunday night teacher talk, and then show up and do education done differently. A real world professional development, not professional development that often we get at schools that sucks. This is like, let's talk, tackle a topic in a real way that you're going to be able to walk into school on Wednesday and implement immediately and win. So that's what we're doing. That's going to start this Tuesday, January 20 something. Um, and so, yeah. The 24th. The 24th, mm -hmm. right? At time to be announced. Probably in the evening. It'll be in the evening. Probably I thought about doing it at lunchtime. Um, let us like, know. Yeah, yeah that would be great. If you could leave a comment and let us know like what works best for you, what you think would work, because I know it's schools and dinners and babies and stuff like that, but it's we're trying to keep life. it to a 20-minute idea. Yeah. Cool. Absolutely. Anything else? Um, nope, that's it. Radical. Gang, thank you so much for being awesome, and I love... Um, you for just showing up and for caring about kids and for caring about you and to trying to be the greatest teacher you have been called to be. So uh, with that, we will see you um, see you next week, Sunday, 1.30 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. Peace.